Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are now in our third week of a series that I'm just really enjoying. It's a series called Shouts and Whispers, and we are just looking at this place where the scriptures um, are where we can go back and, and look at the Old Testament and see places where Jesus got, was, was revealed to us even on the front side of this. So many times it can feel like that Jesus kind of comes on the scene kind of late in this story. We start, and start reading your Bible in Genesis and you go through and you cover thousands of years and then all of a sudden this Jesus guy shows up as we cross into the New Testament and that's not the case. He's been there, he's been talked about, it's been referenced all the way through and so that's what this series is is we're taking just a real a real small handful of these references to Jesus in the Old Testament and delving into them and I've been enjoying it and I hope you have too so let's go ahead and look at this this is our kind of jump off concept that to know God better and trust him more we need to see that Jesus has been part of the God man story all along he's been a part of this all the way through and we need, to, we need to be able to see this because here's the cool thing is that, is that the, the little whisper comes in the Old Testament and then the shout comes later. I love it that these certain things get amplified as they move down the line. I get the benefit of using a little microphone in front of my face and, and thankfully there's no chocolate on it now. I was eating a chocolate donut earlier today and, and forgot my mic was there. So I had a chocolate coated mic for a little bit. So I needed to get it so I didn't lick it while I was up here. So that looked a little weird. So had to clean my mic before church. And so, but it's, you have something right here that then goes through the process and on that, down the line, it gets, it gets amplified. There are all so many different things in life that that's the way it goes, that the further it goes, that the amplification gets bigger. Man, I learned this the hard way. In fact, Lauren Ramirez was the recipient of this the hard way years ago um, because I was, we were I was a bus driver for a, a children's outreach program that we did, and I was a bus pastor and picking up kids, picking them up around town, taking them to, taking them to a service, and then take them back home. And, and I'd got all the kids off of this bus. We'd had a, a, a big group of kids, and I had a, a handful of kids that were on our team that helped us and some of the teens that were on our team. Well, once the bus is empty, well, you got this big old long regular yellow dog school bus and well, all of our kids wanted to go to the back of the bus, and where it's a little bouncier back there, you notice the bus is, you know, the, the tail end of it sticks way out past its rear axle. And I was going across, some of you may know this intersection well, and so as I was going up, coming from like for the elementary school that dead ends there off of Washington, and coming up Washington Street and crossing Chadburn. Okay. I don't know if anybody notices, but when you go through there, you actually like need climbing gear and stuff to cross Chadburn because it just humps up real big. It's a big old bump. Well, I was not thinking. Sadly, drivers should be thinking. And so I was not thinking about the implications of this, and so I'm just driving along like I'm in a car. But I'm not in a car. I'm in a bus. And so the front wheels go up and go over. And it was a nice little bump. Here's the problem. There were some people at the back end of this thing. We come over and the next axle hits it. 
and it goes down, well, the tail of that bus goes down. We bus comes back up. Man, I said, you got that big old bus driver mirror? Oh, my stomach dropped as I saw about four girls fly up into the air. I mean, it, I'm so glad there were not bus cams back then. We'd have had to been able to get a steal of these girls' eyes just in the air. And I'm like, and there's nothing I can do that everything is set in motion. And they sit there and they come down and one girl, multiple of them hit their back on the ceiling of the bus. Now I'm six foot tall, six foot two, and I can walk through a bus. It's a good tall ceiling. So they go up, hit their back on the roof of the bus, come down, and boom, hit the deal. So I had two girls with the wind knocked out of them. Lauren misses that, comes down and scrapes her knee on one of the, or scrapes her shin on one of the welds and just lays her shin open. She has a scar to this day on her shin. Yeah, she's hold, hold, yes, milk it up good. <laughs> has a scar to this day on this thing. And it was like, what, what, what was a little bump for me, what was a little thing, down the line had these huge implications they had these huge implications, and the people who were following me on that bus did not get the same experience that I did at the front of the bus. And so there are these things in life, and we see in the scriptures that there's some places where the, some psalmists write things, and they, they lay them out there, and they're powerful, and they're impactful in their moment. But when we see the full implication of what's there when Jesus comes along later on this, oh my gosh, the implications of this are so much bigger. And today we're going to be looking at one of those things where the implications of this are bigger. And if we don't start this thing right, well, it, we can go one way or we can go another way. And we want to make sure we go the right way. Let's look quickly at Luke 24. We're going to start in verse 24. Kind of jump off here every week. It says, Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Now this is again, this is the road to Emmaus, this is resurrection day, later in the day, two people walking down a road, Jesus joins up with them, having a conversation, they don't know it's Jesus, and they drop this news on Jesus. And so, and they said, he said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. It's like, it's not even getting on to them that they're slow to believe what these People had said, what these women who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection, he's not even getting on to them that they didn't believe. He's like, the prophets have spoken. Somebody way on the front side of this has already had something to say about this, and you should have believed that. He says, did not Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I love it that Jesus goes back, and he, Jesus could be doing all sorts of explanations. But Jesus goes back and takes what's already been said. He goes back to the Old Testament, takes what's already been said, and shows where he's been revealed all along. See, Jesus shows us that we should lean on what God's word has already said about our struggles. 
That's why we need to do this time. That's why we need to to spend time in the Word. That's why we need to find out what it said. That's why we encourage our kids at Kids Camp to to memorize the Scriptures and to put the Word of God in them so that they will know they can lean on it when the rough times come. It can speak to them. We're not going to turn to it right quick, but I'm just going to hit the highlights of it. Jesus did this his whole ministry. If we look at the temptation of Christ there in Matthew chapter 4, right at the beginning of his ministry, Then the enemy comes at him trying to derail him from the very beginning. And every time, this is God in the flesh, people. This is Jesus. Later on, Jesus is writing scripture as he speaks. As he tells a parable, it becomes scripture for us. There's stuff, original words out of Jesus' mouth that becomes scripture for us. But here when he is dealing with the enemy, Jesus doesn't come up with something new. When the enemy tempts him after he's been so hungry in the wilderness for 40 days, he says, take these stones and make them into bread. And Jesus' reply isn't something new and witty and awesome. He goes back to what was already been written. And he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's showing us that from the very beginning, we need to to cling on to God's word, what God has spoken to us. So then the enemy on the next one tries to trip him up. And the enemy in doing that quote scripture back to him and says, Oh, here you go. Throw yourself off if you're the son of God. And throws him, throw yourself off the temple. And, and Jesus quotes scripture again. Says, Don't test the Lord your God. He puts the scriptures into balance. And, and then Jesus, the last time he's tempted again, he, again, it's, it is written. Jesus has made a a lifelong thing as he goes through ministry of going back to the scriptures. If Jesus went back to the scriptures, don't you think you and I should go back to the scriptures? Don't you think that should be a foundation for how we make our decisions? Don't you think that's something for how we view life and we frame life as we should take the what has been written and what has been said and use that as our paradigm? Don't If Jesus did it, don't don't you think we should? I, I, I think we should. So right here, what we're going to do is we're going to start with the shout this morning. We're going to look back at the whisperer. Let's look at Matthew chapter 27. And here Jesus is on the cross. And we're going to catch up in, in verse 41. It says, in the same way the chief priests and the teachers and the, of the law and the elders mocked Jesus. They're mocking him. They're making fun of him. It's just a game to them. It says, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and then we'll believe. Come on, one more miracle. You've done all these other miracles. You've done all these other things. Do the miracle we request. We've, we've, we've put in a request, Jesus. Finally, come off the cross right here, and now we'll believe. Well, they wouldn't have believed. It says, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So there's insults heaped on insults. And from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Jesus shouts this out. Now, before we move forward, 
I'm just going to read this phrase. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. You heard that lately in normal conversation? No. Now we're sitting, we're, we're cruising along here, we're reading English, and then all of a sudden, there's this, this Hebrew text that's written. Well, you go back to the original language, and you'd be reading Greek, and then all of a sudden, there's some Hebrew that shows up. Why on earth did, did these guys who are writing this out, Matthew, who's writing this out in Greek, all of a sudden switch languages? Did you just want to kind of show off that he's multilingual? Just want to show off that he's got some, some, some skills here maybe somebody else doesn't have. No, he does this on purpose. He does this on purpose. Matthew is a Jew. And Matthew reverences the scriptures. And what he wants to show is that Jesus, when he cries this out, he is quoting scripture. He is going back to the original text and he leaves it alone and he does it like Jesus does it. Every other thing, Jesus isn't speaking Greek as he's telling the parables, but Matthew has no problem turning those into Greek. But here, he keeps it in the original language on purpose. And then for his Greek readers, he says, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar and he put it on a staff and he, he offered it to Jesus to drink. Now here right now we just take this snapshot and it looks like Jesus is on the cross and he reaches in and he grabs a scripture that feels and, and is able to put with what's happening to him in this moment. And if we just take that one thing that all of a sudden he's just grabbed this thing to, to declare his own personal forsakenness and if we stop there we'll think God turned his back on Jesus that God exited that God had been with him and rocking and rolling and all of a sudden Papa God said Ugh, I'm out and then all of a sudden Jesus is completely alone if we read this all by itself that's what we'll see but that is that is not the case see Hebrews chapter 4 you won't see it on the notes said but it tells us that God's word is alive and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword it's able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it's God's word that does this. So if we're going to judge the thoughts and intents of Jesus' heart in this moment, and he's quoting scripture, don't you think we need to go back to that scripture he's quoting to let it judge the thoughts and intents of Jesus' heart? I think so. See, Jesus and the rest of, of the, the Jews already understood this one truth that's, that we see in Deuteronomy 31.8. It says, the Lord himself goes before you. And will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do you think on the cross that was a moment for Jesus to be afraid and to be discouraged? Yes, but yet here's a promise to the people who are killing him. That God would never leave them or forsake them and not for them to not. Don't you think that was a promise to Jesus? Don't you think that that was, that that was his? It's the truth. So we don't have God contradicting himself. Let's look at Matthew 26, 52. Jesus understood this whole thing. See, Jesus, is, we get here in the garden and, and Peter and the disciples are there and they come to arrest Jesus. 
They had to come at night when there wasn't a whole bunch of people around because the people were really into Jesus at that moment, and they didn't want a mob on their hands. So, so they sneak to him when he's in a quiet place, and they come to arrest him. And Peter gets all puffed up. Peter gets all puffed up. And he pulls his sword and says, you ain't taking my Jesus. And he strikes. He strikes and he takes off an ear. Folks, that's a headshot. I don't care how you look at it. That's a headshot. And the fact that it doesn't take his shoulder and whatnot, I'm thinking it was a, the dude ducked, did the old matrix. Boom. Lose an ear. I think Peter was going for his neck. I think he was going for being a beheader. He was going to make it count. Tragedy struck in London this weekend. It distracts all the time. When people don't understand and serve a God of love, then when you're, you can easily step into a place that all of a sudden you begin to lash out. Peter did not understand that he was defending grace and truth himself. And it's easy for us to shake our fists at what took place in London. And yeah, there's a report that as they ran that van and ran over people and they jump out with knives or small swords like Peter, that they, one of them stabbed a young lady and is reported to have said, this is for Allah. Well, Peter, in his fleshly moment, he grabs his sword and this is for Jesus. And people, if we don't understand that we serve grace and truth. We serve a God of love. And folks, we can be stirred up in and of ourselves to respond in the most unloving, ungracious ways that are imaginable. And there's really, when we look at it, there was no difference in what Peter did as, as Jesus' number one disciple than what this religious fanatic did in London. There was no difference. Except Jesus said, finishes the conversation. He says, put your sword back in its place. All who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do not think that I can call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. Don't you know he's with me in this? If I needed some backup, I could bring some heavier firepower than you and your little metal poker there, buddy. If I needed it, I could have done it. You don't understand what's happening here, Peter. Then Jesus picks up the ear and places it on his head. And the guys who witnessed that arrest him anyways. They arrest him anyways. They shackle and beat him that night anyway. <sighs> mm. See, John, Jesus had already said, I and the Father are one. He had already said in John 16, the time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your home and you will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone for the Father is with me. So Jesus prophesied this moment when everyone would leave him. And sure enough, Peter and all of them do it. But he says, I won't be alone because the Father is with me. So all of a sudden, if Jesus is declaring that he's been abandoned on the cross, then he has to contradict 
what he, himself what he said here. He said, he's not going to leave me. I'm not going to be alone. No, there's not a contradiction whatsoever. See, knowing what God has said provides a foundation for us to stand on when it feels like all is lost. See, when Jesus says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, he's quoting the opening line of Psalm 22. He's quoting the opening line. He gets the, he's laying that out there. And he brings into it, quoting the opening line brings in the whole psalm. It brings in the whole thing. It was so cute when we were doing our um, scripture memory stuff. One of the things we do at kids camp, um, because as adults, most of us would say that standing up and, and speaking, public speaking is kind of a number one fear of people. Well, guess what? As believers, we're supposed to share the good news. We're supposed to speak it to people. So what we try to do is get them to, to break that off of them and not be so afraid of speaking. So we start out with letting them tell jokes. And I tell you what, you let a bunch of kids tell jokes, um, it's funny. Um, sometimes it's funny not for the reasons they want it to be funny. And so, but it's funny, but it is so cute. And so they'll come up there and they'll come talk to me and say, I've got a joke, Pastor Brandon. And then I sit there and they're just ready. And I hand them the microphone and I said, now y'all look at the people. And then if so many of them will just blank. And it's just done. Well, we were doing the scripture memory the same way. So they would come up and they're like Cutie said, they, would, they were standing in line. And I was like, all right, are you ready? Tell us your name. Tell us your team. All right, take the mic and look at the people. And they would forget. And I, I knew they knew it. I knew they knew it was, in, it was in their heart. So I would give them the first line. I'd give them the first words. And bloop, hear the whole thing come spilling out of them. And all I needed to do was give them that first little bit. See, Jesus was sitting there. And as he is quoting that, he is giving out that first little bit. Let's look at Psalms 22.1. This is the, the people he is declaring this to are people who knew Psalm 22 inside and out. It was a messianic psalm. It represented that their Messiah, their Savior was going to come. And Jesus quotes it on the cross. And it begins, let's look at verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish. And if we, if we stop right there, if the psalmist stopped right there, if David just quit, well then yeah, that's, that would be what it would be. But how many of you have voiced a place of frustration and then that's not where it ended? Have voiced what I'm feeling and go from what I feel to what I know? And sometimes we got to start with what we feel to move forward to what we know and what we're hanging on to. The psalm doesn't stop with verse 1. Let's go ahead and look at verse 7 and 8. It says, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Remember how they were surrounded by insults? Insults from the elders and the chief priests and all of those guys. Insults from the guys who were being crucified with Jesus. There's insults everywhere. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him. As they are asking Jesus, bring yourself down. They're giving this exact same 
taught. It is being played out. Psalm 22, like it's a script, is being played out. And as Jesus throws out that first line, he's letting everybody know, this is Psalm 22. Tune in. You're seeing it lived out right here. When you go into verse 15, it says, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and feet. This doesn't even make sense when this is said. Crucifixion had not even been invented yet when David is writing this. This doesn't even make sense. But then as it lived out, here these Romans end up occupying these Hebrew people in this piercing, their highest, worst, nastiest form of public execution gets handed out. To Jesus. They pierce my hands and feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and they gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. There as Jesus is on the cross, they are gambling, casting lots for Jesus' clothes. It's every piece of this is lived out right there. As Jesus has quoted this down and started this Psalm 22, which all of these listeners knew. And he, they're just living it out. They're just playing it out like it's a screenplay. But you, Lord, did not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. And then verse 24 says, For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. He's not left. He's not abandoned. He's not walked away. He's not turned his back. What Jesus prophesied and said would happen that everyone else would leave, but he would not be alone. His father would be with him is exactly what was taking place. And that is exactly in Psalm 22. See, and we know that Jesus knew his father was right there. Wasn't far off. Wasn't far away. But he was right there because Jesus' dying words are recorded in Luke 23, verse 46. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. He didn't say, Father, I hope you come back to me. I hope you stop forsaking me. I hope you're really going to do something about this because I feel so alone. No, he spoke to him. No, he was right there. He was right there. He had not been forsaken. Psalm 22 was played out to a T. Was played out verse 1 to the very, very end. In fact, let's finish this out. Verse 27, it says, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Verse 30 says, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Jesus knew 
Well, exactly what was happening here. Families of the nations are going to get blessed because of this. A, a generation that hasn't even been born is going to find out about this. This is going to have future implications. It looks right here like it's one little thing, but its end result is huge. It amplifies, it gets big. And this, in the armpit of the world, there, in the, as far as the Roman kingdom was, nobody wanted to serve in Israel or Jerusalem. Nobody wanted to. It's a sorry assignment from the, what the Roman world looked like. It's the armpit of the Roman, <coughs> Roman Empire. And from that point, the entire world gets blessed. Jesus knew what was taking place there. Our bottom line this morning is knowing the rest of the story will give you rest in your story. Maybe you're in the middle of something painful right now. Maybe you're in the middle of something discouraging and difficult right now. Maybe things are not going the way you would have charted them to go right now. But if you will hang on to the truth that the story's not done, it's not over. As Jesus grabbed a hold and, and decreed the first line of Psalm 22, he was sitting there and he was grabbing a hold of all of Psalm 22. That it was going to be completed, it was going to be done, and all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. And he grabbed a hold of it. And yeah, they were going to insult me, and they were going to ban me, and they were going to taunt me, and all this was going to happen, and I'm going to be pierced, and it's all going to bring a blessing. He was hanging on to it. Folks, this is why we spend time in the scriptures. This is why we take hold of the promises. This is why we find out that God is a good God. So that when things come up against us and don't go, we don't lash out like Peter. We don't go for our sword and start hacking anybody who's near us like Peter did. If we think that everything's coming unraveled, we'll do everything within our power to try to hold our little bit together. But if we'll relax and trust God and know that the end of the story is that God is for you, that he will always be with you, he will never forsake you, and he will take you to your good and purposed end. And we hold on to that and we can ride through any storm. We can get through whatever life throws at us. When you know the rest of the story, then you can rest in your story. You don't have to get wound up. You don't have to be in tumult. You don't have to pop tums all the time because your stomach is a mess. You don't have to go and deal with all this other stuff. We can rest in the middle of the mess. God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. See, when we see everywhere Jesus is revealed, we can genuinely begin to see Jesus revealed everywhere. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.